I've never taken questions or criticism, and I'm not going to start now. That's true. Which is why you don't use Twitter. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Fucking exactly. Because that's all it is over there, and I don't feel like it. You know, I ain't going to hear it. Mm-hmm. I'll make my mistakes. <laughs> I had something I wanted to talk to you about on the way in, but like, oh, um, it was mostly that I was going to apologize to you and the listening audience and future me for how sniffly... I'm going to be on this one. Oh, yeah. Yeah, just letting you know. Um, I have a roll of toilet paper right here. It's kind of like olden days. I was really sniffly in our older podcasts. I don't know if my allergies were worse or if I had a sinus infection for roughly a year and a half. (laughs) Both seem plausible Mm -hmm. at this time. Mm -hmm. Um, But, yeah, sorry. Sorry, everybody. I'm going to do my best to edit that out. uh, Somebody's got an allergy appointment coming up. uh, I'm not taking any medication because they say you can't. And the trees are horny as fuck, guys. Yeah, Yeah, the trees are real horny and we're under a wind advisory because we're under, like, perfect fire conditions, I Uh guess. Yeah. Look, we're doing fine. Yeah. So we've got a hell of an app for you, I'm assuming. Yeah. Hopefully, um, not as depressing as last time. Mm-hmm. Fucking Emily. Okay, no, m- mine's not as depressing as mine was last time. Mine's a different kind of depressing. Okay, 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 Emily. Emily, okay. Because it's far enough in the past. Sure. It's not fresh wounds. Sure, 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 sure. I can appreciate that um i'm still on my bullshit it's just a different level of bullshit you've always been on your bullshit yeah i've never not been on my bullshit (laughs) and and that's what i appreciate about you (laughs) um i do believe you are going first um so i I guess i'll look forward to that and mine is a little bit a little bit more uplifting um there are still some depressing moments don't you fucking worry cool what are we drinking this is a twisted elixir I just realized what I'm drinking out of. Yeah. Um, yeah. In an effort to recycle, reuse. Yes. I eat a lot of pesto. Yes. And it always comes in the cute little tiny jars. Mm-hmm. They are so cute. And I'm like, why can't I use these cute little tiny jars? There's no reason. So I'm using the cute little tiny jars. So we have, like, cute little tiny jars. Yeah. And it's got the <laughs> bubbler twisted elixir. Uh-huh. And then tequila. I love that. And just a little splash of the Whitney, the pink Whitney, on top. Mm, I love that for us. Um, I mean, I'm scared of that. There's a lot of booze in here. There Emily. is. So let's give it a go. Yeah, let's. Making a horrible noise in the mic on purpose. Oh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's yummy. Mm-hmm. It also tastes like it will fuck me up. Yeah. Um. So I'm just going to go ahead and be careful. Yeah. As she was pouring it from the kitchen, she's like, you're going to want to sip this one. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, fuck. <laughs> I'm not going home right immediately, am well, I? Because I, like, I poured in <laughs> the bubbler, and I'm like, yeah, that's, like, half the glass. I'm not mad at it. No. And I literally am in love with these tiny little jars. Yeah. So can we make the podcast about them instead? No. Okay. I can't get angry at cute little tiny jars. You do this to I get can, angry. however, get angry at the U.S. government. Oh, well, yeah, always. Let me segue here. Oh, God, oh, shit, oh, Christ. Of part 800 of how the U.S. government <laughs> failed the American people. And I just want to be clear, guys, we're at 86, 87 <laughs> episodes, but it is part 800 yeah. of hating on the U.S. government. Yeah. <laughs> so this is one of the many failures of the U.S. military when it comes to the American people that don't fit in their little box of ideals and then, like, try and shove them in there. Even though they don't fit the recruitment metrics, but they're like, fuck it. 
we need bodies. Oh, always. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And, like, this doesn't even touch on, like, the ongoing and continuing abuse against people, especially women. Human <laughs> in beings. in general, people. Yeah. In the military with sexual assaults and murders and all sorts of horrific oh, yeah. disappearances on bases. I think by if you've listened to even a few of these episodes, you know how we feel about the military and what it does to human beings. And just remember, I give I give the same disclaimer every time. I come from a military <laughs> family. Right. I was raised to respect the military. Literally everyone in my family pretty much was in the military. My grandfather served under Eisenhower in Africa. Right. Like, but. But also... When they tried to tell me to go into the military to pay for college, I said no. That's how they fucking get you, dude. Exactly. <laughs> like, my brother is a literal recruiter who used to be before he retired. And he was like, you just, just go, just go. Just join the, just join the military. They'll pay for everything. Yeah. And I'm like, you can still, like, sting and shit. Just, like, go join the military. And it's like, hey, I don't want to go join the military when we're in an active war. Yeah. And they're extending people's contracts. Because we're in an active war. So they're like, oh, you only have to serve like two years. Surprise, it's four. Oops, now it's six maybe. Right. Like, And we're going to send you to an active combat zone even though you want it to be non-combat. Right. Why would you want to get embroiled in that? Exactly. You know? Why would you want to make that your maybe a like good I'm chunk of your life? Good. I'm good. Yeah. Like way good about it. We'll, uh, would rather be saddled with debt, honestly. Yeah. I was I was okay being the black sheep of the family being non-military. <laughs> I also understand why some people really don't have another choice. But that's literally like that's a problem. Well, and it's all in how it's marketed and how it's sold and how recruiters literally had to change the pitch they were giving because they kept getting called out for lying to people. <laughs> I bet. So, mm-hmm. let's go back the 1960s no let's not i don't mm. want to do that em. it's gonna be great shit so we're 1966 mm-hmm. we're hanging out johnson's president hey johnson He's doing great lbj lbj taking shits in front of people talking about his bunghole lbj <laughs> <laughs> have you heard about project 100,000? No, as soon as it says project, though, I'm like, uh oh, what did you do to humans? What did you do? <laughs> Robert McNamara, oh, no. I believe, was Kennedy Secretary of Defense and then oh, got inherited by brilliant. Johnson after the assassination. Brilliant idea. Because mm-hmm. you know? that's what happens. And he decided hey, we need people to fight the Vietnam War. Yeah. Why don't we ease recruitment standards for the army? Good. Yeah, take anybody. That's what you need. That's what you need. In an effort to spin it to allow inner city youth and poor young men from rural areas to join military as part of their climb out of poverty. Yeah, so it's already going great, right? Yeah. No. Doing great. Oh, I'm sorry. So, I didn't know that was a question I needed to answer. No is the answer. August 23rd, 1966, uh, he announced um, at the VFW, so the Veterans of Foreign Wars, they had a convention uh, that a plan that was adopted from the Marines, because, I mean, the Marines, their, their training process is horrific. It was way more horrific in the 60s 
than it is now. Sure. But their whole thing was break down a person to their barest bones and then rebuild them into the perfect killing machine. Yeah, no, right. Like a horse you're trying to get to be a really good racehorse. Absolutely. Why wouldn't you? Because they had a success rate of turning low aptitude inductees into effective marines. Because through the power of abuse and repetition. Yeah. Yeah. Making a person forget what they used to be and the things they used to like. And (laughs) so McNamara was like, hey, that's a great idea. Love that. Love brainwashing. Let's do that in the army. Absolutely. So he started Project 100,000, trying to say that the appalling and tragic poverty in the United States um, was the reason that over 100,000 young men per year didn't qualify under the DOD's fitness standards. And argued that, like, with the military's advanced education and medical techniques, those men could have successful military careers and later be productive members of society. Sure. So they gave them the label of the new standards men. The new standards men? Uh Oh, yeah, single them out. Absolutely. That sounds like it's good for them. And they were get that title was given to people who were enlisted under the Project 100,000 guidelines. Mm Mm-hmm. They didn't do well on their testing. Many, um, I don't know what the socially acceptable word for this is, but, like, everything I found was, like, oh, it's the people who are, like, borderline or mildly, like... Learning disabled or, yeah. So, like, people who, okay, we probably would have judged them by IQ at that point. Lower IQ. They might have just had regular learning disabilities, like dyslexia or something that went undiagnosed. Yep, or were underweight due to a number of listed diseases that normally weren't allowed into the military because they tended to come with higher risk of immunocompromised issues. You're sending people overseas. Hmm. You can't have them having an episode overseas. Like, you're just making them a burden. Right. So, more than 80% of the uh, new standards men were high school dropouts. Okay. 40% read below a 6th grade level. 15% read below a 4th grade level. Okay. Um, A lot of them, they found during the actual, like, basic training, didn't understand that America was at war. Couldn't tell left from right were really easily terrified or startled because they couldn't understand why the drill sergeant was yelling at them. Oh, no. Oh, okay. And then they gave them a gun. Uh-huh. Oh, no. And there was one guy that wrote a book, and they, like, talked about an excerpt from the book in one of the things that I watched. And he was like, you know, I was put in charge of one of these guys, and I was basically a babysitter. Mm-hmm. And, like, they gave him a gun, and it was so terrifying because they were so afraid he was going to actually shoot someone in training, they put him in the kitchen. Because here's the thing. When this announcement was made, when all these recruitments were going on, they weren't telling them they were going into combat. What were they telling them then? Basically, like, you were going to be a non-combat person joining the military, learning these life skills. Sure, of course. And not shipped off to sea to basically be cannon fodder. Yeah, right. Bodies we will throw at a battle. And put on the front lines and send over landmines and into the jungles of Vietnam with minimal understanding of what the fuck is going on. You are literally not useful to us except as additional numbers, but we can't tell you that. Um, this is horrible. 
Here's, oh, the only thing, before we move on from it, because it's probably going to get worse, I'm angry that the idea that they were like, oh, poverty is a real problem because it means these men can't enlist and, like, their issues stem from that. So instead of fixing poverty, mm-hmm. we'll just let them come in anyway. The American way. The American fucking way, everybody. No, that's fine. I just wanted to say that I'm angry about that before we move on. Go ahead. Um. So by 1969... 246,000 new standards men had enlisted in the army, um, including 92% who were accepted because of lowered mental standards. Dude. So they accounted for 10% of the total recruits from October of 1966 to 1969. Okay. Yeah. So 75% of the new standards men were put into the army. The rest were sent out to the other three branches. Rejection rates were hella low. Unsurprisingly, <laughs> black and Latino men were vastly overrepresented in Project 100,000. Oh no, what a shock. So, of the new standards men, over 40% were African American, and of that number, 65% were from the South. Some recruits were unable to speak English, and others were considered either too short or too tall under standard requirements. What the fuck? Mm-hmm. I first of all, I didn't know you could be too tall for the military in Apparently. the first place, but like that's sense. Like, I you, guess you can't fit in our yeah, little you planes. Can't, you can't fit in our little planes. You can't sit in our little trucks. Yeah, <laughs> you can't go choo choo in our Hummers. Too big in your little plane. Yeah. Okay, fine. So it's fine. It's not the most common <laughs> military assignments. Whereas infantrymen, artillerymen, cooks, clerks, and truck drivers. Remember, they mm-hmm. put them behind the wheel of a truck. It's Most fine. of these people had never driven before. Okay, that's really what I'm wondering. Because, like, idiots drive all the time, clearly. Oh, yeah, no. But, like, we need to know if they have driven before. And if that's not the case, then, yeah, give them the biggest trucks that are full of the worst shit. And an overwhelming majority of them saw combat. Oh, yeah, of yeah. course. Poor guys. Um, out of the new standards men, African Americans were 44.5% of those who received combat assignments as opposed to the 38.8% of whites. In the early years of the project, African Americans also comprised an overwhelming majority of new standards battle deaths. No shit, they put them front and center. Like, they were there to be uh-huh. hit by In bullets. the Marine Corps alone, ah! blacks compromised 58% of the Marines in what were considered dangerous military occupations in Vietnam. We're doing great. Uh, So, unsurprisingly, in spite of Robert McNamara's hopes for better lives for these soldiers. Those are lies. He didn't hope that. It didn't. uh, No. It didn't pan out. Oh, it didn't improve their lives? Because either they were no better off or actually worse off than their civilian counterparts. Because most of them were dead. That's so fucking weird, Em. Like, the craziest thing to me is that, like... This was all, like, promoted as a part of Lyndon B. Johnson's, like, war on poverty. Uh-huh. Since that was his big thing. Yeah. Again, though, I don't see them addressing poverty. No. But that's no. fine. No. But they spun it as, like, oh, this is gonna be great training. You guys are gonna do so great. We respect the military so much. And now <sighs> you get to be a part of that. Oh, yeah, of course. You're a part of a community for your lives now. Mm-hmm. They were called... By other soldiers, McNamara's morons. Oh, this and, is not their fault. No, and like the thing that pissed me off the most is like in all of the like 
the Vietnam memorials, everything. There's no recognition of these men. They're not talked about in our history books. Mm. Yeah, I've never heard this term before. Yeah. Of, like, the the new standards men at all. What you hear about Vietnam is the draft. When they're looking right. for sh- soldiers, like they're t- they talk about the draft. They don't talk that they didn't even they needed more people than the draft would get them. Yeah, <laughs> like they yeah. had to they had to let everybody in because it yeah. was never enough. Absolutely, this was a throw everybody we can at the problem because we will not admit defeat. Right. So the next Memorial Day, I am mm-hmm. tasking everyone. With looking to see if there's any recognition, because I can guarantee you won't see it. They'll do special tributes for battalions of the Army, Mm -hmm. and the Marines, and the Navy, and the Air Force, and all of these special groups. And like, oh, look at our soldiers. Look at these people who gave their lives. And not the actual people that were literally used as meat shields. Who sent them in blindly without a full understanding of what was going on. And like trying to find a specific name of someone's story really of just like really yeah wow like that's i spent most of this afternoon just digging through and there's like there's nothing of no one came out of it and was like i was one of those men right god i wonder why that is but also it's like i know stories from vietnam are very hard to come by Because it was a very traumatic time. Sure. So I'm not surprised that there aren't stories out there, but it's disappointing. Yeah. It's also, you know, possible that, like, we don't do exposés on Vietnam vets in particular because we don't like to remember that as a nation. Sure. The media doesn't like to go. We'd rather talk to the World War II vets. Right. We don't talk to. That was a glorified war. That was glorious. Exactly. What a... What a great reason to go to war right. and not, oh, we fucked this up worse. And um, it's there awful. are still outstanding consequences to our actions to right. this day in Vietnam. They'd rather we not think about it or talk about it or learn about it. Yeah. So <laughs> I think it's a combo of all that. Like, it's like, yeah, I wouldn't want to talk about it either if I were them. But like, no one's asking them either, yeah. I would imagine. And yeah. I, I would love... Like, I wouldn't even know where to start with it of fighting to get them the recognition that they deserve. Because it was, like, by the end, I believe their number was over 300,000 people through Project 100,000. <laughs> Why was it called Project 100,000? Because that was their goal for the first year. For the first year. Mm-hmm. And then they kept going because yeah. they probably just needed more bodies. Yeah. Great. Um, more than 320,000 up to fi- uh, 354,000. Wow. So that's a lot of people. That's a lot of names. The wiki for this is pathetically short. Is it? there's just, there's no information about it. Yeah, I mean, I've never heard about it. Yeah, and it's just, it's like, it's one of America's secrets that they like try and sweep under the rug. Yeah, clearly. Like, we put a lot of uh, mentally challenged people in harm's way on purpose. Yeah. Of course we don't talk about that one. No. Good God. No, this was this was a social experiment. Yeah. To see what would happen. What a, what a ridiculous yeah. sham of a war that was when we needed oh, to do that. The mil- military sucks. Um, 
a lot of things need to change. Mm-hmm. And we need to recognize as a nation that we suck. <laughs> Historically and today. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just, like, I wish I had more information to share, but I just, like, I wanted to do this. Because not everyone that was sent overseas died. Right, right. But... Like, the, the lack of recognition of their sacrifices, especially in a country where we're so, like, rah, rah, our military. Oh, yeah. To think, yeah, that there's this whole group of people we don't even yeah. think about. Is... Which is not surprising. It's really not. There's many groups like that. There's many groups that get left out. The fact to, to have not even heard of this one mm-hmm. is pretty, pretty upsetting. Yeah. You're welcome. Soup's a preach, bud. Um, <laughs> no, I agree. I want to go look them up, though. And I, yeah. when Memorial Day runs around, I'm going to... I'll see if anybody mentions it. I highly doubt it. Doubt it. Like, I firmly believe there were enough people that were critical of this from the beginning that had an uh-oh feeling about it, of being <laughs> like, this isn't going to be good, <laughs> that didn't act or speak up. Mm-hmm. That should have, and I want those names. <laughs> I just want to talk. I just want to talk. Turn on your location. I just turn on your location. I just want to talk. Right. Do you want to harp noise briefly yeah. so you can chug more of your drink? Mm-hmm. I'm going to chug this, too. Then I'll tell you a story that has nothing to do with the military, if that will help. She's already chugging. Um, are you going to send us, or do I need to make a noise? I will. Thank you so much. Thank you. I need this. <laughs> that was good. I'm glad you didn't show me. Yeah, so we're back. <laughs> um, we got more of it. Tequila. And by it, I mean tequila. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, that is the it. Also, so- the ice is almost melted, so now I can fully chug it without worrying about like... Oh, getting a little hunk so ice? Yeah. Good. Dying. I mean, this- Hopefully what I'm about to tell you isn't going to fuck with you too much. It's kind of sad at times, but I am focusing on the story of one man rather than a horrible systemic injustice, which actually that's not true. Um, (laughs) (laughs) You are already lying to me. (laughs) So sorry. We are going to focus at first on one man, though. Mm. And his name is Mohammed Aisha. Hello. Hello, Mohammed. I'm going to start with a quote by our friend Mohammed. Oh... Yeah, I'm just taking all the pages out of your book. I mostly just didn't know where to put this one. Quote, it's not only loneliness, it's mandatory loneliness combined with desperation. It will make you suicidal, so I don't wish that on anyone. So a little bit of background. It seems fine. It seems fine. If that name sounds familiar to you at all, it's because this guy made news very recently. So, Mohammed was born in the Syrian port, port of Tartus uh, in the Mediterranean. He has made a career out of being a sailor. Uh-oh. And, <laughs> yeah. Did he have anything it's, to do with the Suez Canal? <laughs> just going to say very quickly here, it says it later, but yeah, it's not that story. However, <laughs> it's, not, it's not that. Just, like, everybody calm down, because I knew you would fucking ask. <laughs> Listen. Maybe we'll do that one at some point, but there's like, you know, that one's fresh. This one's fresh too, but lasted longer. So he's a sailor. In May of 2017, Muhammad was 25 years old. 
and he was the chief officer, so like second in command of a cargo ship known as the MV Amun. Oh, okay. So like MV is kind of like the SS Mm -hmm. for certain ships. So the ship was owned by the company Tylos Shipping and Marine Service. And this company, as it turned out, was undergoing some financial issues. Uh Uh-oh. As happens. So (laughs) it was apparent that they were having issues because they hadn't updated the safety equipment or the certifications for the ship. And, like, maybe this would have gone unnoticed in some places because it's fairly minor. Um, Taylor. There was, I should mention, also a $21,000 um, anchor that they had bought recently that they never paid for. So that was just hanging out in the ether. Again, would not have been noticed, except that when you get to the Suez Canal, there's... Taylor! <laughs> there's um, a place there. It's called Suez Egypt. Um, they watch the canal. The As we've all learned very recently, like, all... Fucking everything goes through that canal. It's a very important canal. <laughs> Maybe the most important behind the Panama. Uh, or in front of the Panama. I don't know which one's more important. Do you? I feel like uh, if a boat got stuck in the Panama Canal. It'd be a big fucking deal, though. It'd be a big fucking deal, but it wouldn't have been as big a fucking deal. Yeah, it was. that was, it was bad just now. As our sideways boy. Right. Um, I did just look up some numbers on that because, like, this is... Suez Canal adjacent. Um, so what happened with the whole big boat block canal for many yeah. day? We learned that that cost the whole world a lot of money, which to me feels like it should cost nobody any money. Whenever, when the whole world's involved, it's like, oh, calm down. The concept of money is a fallacy. <laughs> all bullshit. So that canal is, is responsible for 12% of all global trade, um, including 1 million barrels of oil a day. Just mm. so you know, that's mm. why it was such a big deal. One million barrels of oil a day. So Also, wood prices went up. Oh, God, yeah. A lot of things just weren't coming through. Yeah. So, that's as you can imagine, the people who run that canal are pretty meticulous. Sure. you got to get past them. Must pay the troll toll yeah, <laughs> to get, get in the Suez hole. <laughs> so, they're quite powerful. This is the port authority of Suez, Egypt. They're, they're not to be fucked with. So during an inspection of the MV Amman in July of 2017, they discover the outdated safety equipment and the expired classification certifications and that invoice for that anchor that never got paid. And they detain the MV Amman in the Suez Gulf. They just Oops. are like, you sit here. You're on timeout. Yeah, you're on timeout. You're going to deal with your debts and you're going to update your shit and then you can go. But before that, you sit here. So the ship's captain, an Egyptian man that I did not see the name of anywhere, was ashore at the time. Uh-oh. So that's fine. Uh-oh. Hey, Taylor. So when the detention I have an order, uh-oh feeling? <laughs> you should. And you know what? I'm so sorry, Muhammad, honey. You should have had an uh-oh feeling here, too, but he didn't. So <sighs> the detention order is served to the MV Amman while the captain is not on the ship uh-huh. that leaves our friend Muhammad as the second in command he's in control he even I heard calls the captain and it's at the advice of the captain that when he has handed this these documents he signs his name on them um, and it turns out these documents were not adequately explained to him at the time of signing but what oh, they said was, was that he has legal guardianship of the ship 
he's the ship's owner. and He's guardian. the captain now. He's the captain now, meaning that he has sole responsibility to look after it mm-hmm. while it is detained, for as long as it is detained. So this might not have been a problem. Like, that happens. If the ship's owners had had the money necessary to do the things they needed to do to get the ship the fuck out of there, or if the Lebanese contractors had continued to pay for fuel for the ship while it waited, or if anybody had done their fucking job. But none of that happened. So, <laughs> so days aboard the ship. They're, it's the whole crew. It's like a crew of like 17 men and then also Muhammad. Uh, days aboard the ship, anchored, legally bound to one spot, stretched into weeks, and then months. And they're just like, stuck. They are, they have this legal battle going on that they have really no part in. They're playing chess and cards and backgammon and just kind of doing whatever. And they can't do anything. It's like being becalmed, but on purpose. And they would be getting, like, shipments in of food and stuff, but it's incredibly boring. And eventually, no one could, like, fix this situation. So Tylos Shipping and Marine Service, the company that owns the ship, abandoned it. Just officially went, actually, not, that one's not ours anymore. We don't claim legal right to it anymore. And so it goes up for auction. I <laughs> I feel like Emily has an uh-oh feeling and she's really having trouble. <laughs> so when... Oh, my God. Uh-huh. Oh, my God. <laughs> no, so, just... You know what? No, just keep going. Okay. Just keep fucking going. Tell me how they're going to auction these people off with the ship. Oh, God. Oh, God. No, it's not quite that <laughs> It's pretty bad, but it's not quite that bad. I promise. So... There is also, like, the owner-owner. Like, I think there's, you know, there's the contractors who are doing the job with the ship. There's the company that has control of the ship. And then there's, like, a man who owns, owns the physical ship. And his name is Mr. Bin Sanad. So Mr. Bin Sanad, the owner of the actual ship, has, it sounds like a bit of a con man. Because he was like, hey, guys, I got you. Like, here's all the invoices I'm definitely paying for the supplies that you need while you're sitting there and all the other shit. Um, I'm definitely taking care of it. And then he would like physically FaceTime them and be like, all this money that's right here that I have in my hand, it's going to the bank and it's going to fix this problem. And then it wouldn't happen. And then he would disappear for weeks. And then he'd come back and be like, nope, I got you this time. And that happened over and over. So he's just gaslighting them. He's absolutely gaslighting these people who are stranded. So eventually by 2019, let's think about it because it was July of 2017 when these people were forced to just sit. So it's 2019 now. They've been on the boat for two years, guys. The rest of the crew just begins to quit because at a certain point when like, when the company gave up on them too, they stopped getting salary. Yeah. So there's no money for them at all. They're not even being paid to sit on a boat. So they're like, fuck you, we quit. One by one by one, all of them. And they're all repatriated, which means that they are sent back to their own countries. Yep. They're kind of from all over. So um, Muhammad sees all this happening and is like, yeah, 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 I'm going to call somebody. I'm going to get off of here too. Fuck it. I quit. But he signed and, that paperwork. Oh. And yeah, exactly. He signed that paperwork. So he has to remain on the ship. He is legally bound to stay with the ship. So... The port authorities are holding his passport, which is set to expire soon anyway. Like, he can't leave the country even if he could leave the boat. And he cannot leave the boat 
That is not allowed. Does he have a cell phone? He does. Did he start a YouTube channel? So, you know, funnily enough, no. We'll talk about kind of why that would have been tough, I think. Mm -hmm. It would have been amazing if he had. If TikTok was more of a thing. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. This guy's TikTok would be insane. I mean, have you seen prison TikTok? No. Oh. Prisoners sneaking cell phones into prisons doing TikToks? Mm -hmm. Fuck yeah. Mm -hmm. Holy shit. I need to find that. Yep. Exposing all the shit. Yeah. Telling prison secrets. Like, there was one guy who was like, oh, you guys don't believe I'm actually in prison. You think I'm just in a white room? And then he went up to the window of his cell that showed, like, the common area with, like, the guards. And he's like, what's up, bitch? Yes. (laughs) Wow, them getting cell phones in. Yeah. So that's impressive. But, so after the last of the crew is gone, Muhammad was completely alone on this large, rusting cargo ship. You can imagine it probably always smells like metal. Yeah. And it's just kind of, like, always creaking. Yeah, just, the, like, the creaking settling, mm-hmm. and it's probably, like... Because, I mean, I'm assuming the Suez Canal and offshoots are salt water. Yeah, I think so, because they... Because the Suez Gulf that's there yeah. is between, like, Egypt and Saudi Arabia. Right, and, and I... Like, I feel like Indian it Ocean. feeds... Yeah. Yeah, I, so I think it's all salt. That's not yeah. good for boats. No, not it's to, not sit to sit in. There. We'll actually get to something like that. Oh, That's geez. fun. Um, I'd I, just actively be trying to sink that ship. To, bruh. Honestly, <laughs> smart. Although, again, we'll get to it. Oh, um, Jesus. So, <laughs> Taylor! <laughs> I mean, you're just like really picking up on the vibe of this story, yeah. which I'm proud of. So, he stuck until. Basically, the the boat goes up for auction and then is bought by somebody else who can pay off the issues that it's having. Or until somebody agrees to take Muhammad's place as ship's guardian, which who the fuck is going to do that? So this is not, Emily, this part is not the light. This part's sad. I'm just warning you. So at first, his mother helped him by calling him every day. She updated him on the Syrian war. Not cool, but, you know, good to know if you're Syrian. Yeah. And she told him to keep his phone on him at all times. Quote, it was her way of showing me I was never alone. But in 2018, so this is before everybody left, but he'd been stuck on the boat for about a year. 2018, Muhammad's mother passed away. Oh, no. At that point, he wasn't, like, completely alone, but still he considers this a low point. Yeah. Yeah. That's really fucking rough. I would be um, mapping out ways to kill that captain. Oh, Hondo and everybody responsible. Yeah. This is yeah. a taken situation yeah. now. You're all going to... This is a John Wick thing. Yeah. You're all going to die. You deprived me of my dog. Right, exactly. <laughs> Here we go. Yes. So in 2020, like I'm dump, jumping around, but just for this quote, in 2020, a reporter spoke to Muhammad over FaceTime and asked what he missed most. And quote, he said... My family, of course. My mother passed away two years ago, and she's never going to see me again because of this damned, this cursed ship. So Muhammad, at this point, did consider taking his own life, but he kept on. And so this this part's just a little bit about what it was like to live aboard, especially when he was all alone. So when everyone else is gone, life gets considerably harder because you're alone all the time, in addition to all the shitty other things about being on a boat. He saw no one except for the occasional guard who would just come aboard to be like, you still here, motherfucker? Um, and bring them, him like fresh water and provisions and stuff. And at some point, it's hard to tell when, the ship ran out of fuel. 
meaning that it could no longer power generators, which means he had no power, which means he could not charge his phone or do anything else that requires power like cook. So he said, quote, when he was asked what life is like, he says, life is like you're stuck in solitary prison now going on four years. You can see rodents sometimes. You can see a lot of bugs and mosquitoes. At night, it's like a grave. You can't see anything. You can't hear anything. I'd be seeing ghosts, that's for sure. Hey. Uh, uh-huh. Is he still? I would not be telling you this story if he wasn't, if he was still on the boat, Em. I promise well, you. Well, uh. <laughs> no, I promise you that. That's why I told this story, because he's been in the news recently for nice reasons. We'll get there. The Tylos company all the while, they hadn't completely abandoned Muhammad the way they abandoned the ship he's on. Um, however, their attempts did not really add up to much for him. So a representative said, quote, I can't force a judge to remove the legal guardianship. I can't find a single person on this planet, and I have tried to replace him. I would believe that someone has tried to find someone to replace him. And they just, they're like, no. You mean I have to go live alone on a boat for an indefinite amount of time? No. No one would do that. A boat with no power. A boat with no fucking power. I'm worried for him. Yeah. Basically, like, everybody was like, look, he signed the papers himself. He did. Even if he didn't know what the fuck they were, he signed them. I hate people. Uh Uh-huh, same. Uh, On top of all that, like, because of their mounting debts, um, at this point, he was like, he had not been getting paid by by Tylos this whole time either. Even though they only had one person left to pay, they weren't paying him either. So he's just been there. Stuck. Stuck, no job, nothing going back to him, to him or his family, nothing. So what, what Muhammad said was one of the worst parts of this was that his brother is also a sailor. And his vessels would also frequent the Suez Canal. Oh, no. So there were times when they got close enough, not to see each other, not like close enough to wave, but if they called each other, like we, they could be like, oh, I'm three miles west of you right now. <sighs> but, you, but they can't see each other. There's no way. Oh. I know. To be so close. Taylor. It sucks. I know. It sucks. So, in late 2019, in the middle of the night, you predicted this, M. Muhammad woke up to the sound of the ship groaning and feeling like it would, was listing to the side about 10 degrees. Turns out the hull was damaged. Yeah. By sitting in salt water. It's weird how that's not good for a ship. Super weird. How it's probably just rusted out the bottom. They literally should have... Just, I mean, I know it's super expensive to dry dock a ship. Still, though. But, like... I mean, no one's. I'm sure they also weren't expecting it to sit there for years. Right. You gotta hope. Well, I don't know. This industry seems really fucked the more I looked into it. Kind of seems like they'll let a ship sit for an indefinite amount of time. Well, yeah. And they've done so many times. This is. When money is the uh, main motivator. Who's gonna pay for it, Emily? Exactly. It's not gonna be the government of Egypt. I agree that it's actually not fair for the government of Egypt to have to pay for every boat that fucks off in their own canal. I'm just, I'm just. (laughs) But it's somebody's fault. Look, I've just, I've been in a rabbit hole lately of arguing with capitalists. Yeah. This is definitely one of those failings of capitalism. Yeah. 
because like he so signed a piece of paper that he didn't understand, which is um, capitalism 101. Absolutely. It's never, loans 101. Never tell them what they're signing. No. Never. And don't also, read the fine print. He signed this at the advice of his own captain. Cool. Uh, anyways, continue. So, so he feels it listing. It's the hull's been damaged. The starboard side of the ship has taken on like six feet of water. Oh, no. And that's a lot. Um, it's a big ship, but that's still a lot. Muhammad, no. So, <laughs> Muhammad is three miles from the nearest ship, and he is further from shore. Oh, no. He would absolutely, he knew, drown if the ship sunk. Because, you know, when a ship sinks, it sucks Yeah, everything with You need it. to abandon ship pretty quick. Yeah, I mean, again, big boat. He's got time, but he knows, like, he could be fucked if it goes down. So he also thinks, though, in, in this frenzy that, hey... They can't keep me on this stupid fucking boat if it's going to sink. Can they? No, no, so, they can't. Yeah. Uh, well, well, so he they signals, shouldn't. He signals Mayday with his emergency beacon, and he waits for rescue. And it is hours later, but eventually, hi, Ben Ben. He is taken to shore by military patrol, where he is then interrogated and held by police on shore. God as if, fucking damn as it. As if he's a fucking criminal. As if he did something wrong. Because because the boat owes money to some or whoever, and he is the guy looking after the boat. So it's his fault and his problem. So that like they literally handcuff him to stuff for like ten hours. And they tell him, like, we can make you a lot less comfortable. Why? He didn't do anything. Exactly. He did I nothing. hate. <laughs> so just so you know, like, look, they were they repaired the ship and they repaired the hull of the ship. I don't know who paid for that. And then they put him back on it. And then they put him back on it. Emily, <laughs> they stuck him back. On, they didn't just let the fucking thing go down and then let this man live his life. They stuck him back on this ship. So Bam Bam, can you believe this? I know. He can't believe shit. Fucking insane. Insane. So not not only is he brought back there, there's someone there this time. And this man, you can't make this up. Uh, he's also <laughs> named Muhammad. Um, I mean, it is a common name in the Middle East. So common that there will be another one in here. <laughs> one second. Three Muhammads. Three, this is a three Muhammads. This is a triple Muhammad. This Guys. is a triple Muhammad situation. And they're all spelled differently. Anyway, so... <laughs> good, good. You've got to be able to, you know, distinctly yeah. say this Muhammad yeah, let and me this say, Mohammed. This Muhammad only has one M. Can you hear it in the way I say it? Um, <laughs> so anyway, I started I started using, like, a, the way, like, a really inexperienced fanfic writer mm. will describe two different men in yes, a situation. Yes, yes, <laughs> I'm here for it. Because I was, like, trying to not say Muhammad twice. Mm. <laughs> anyway, so. Nicknames, let's go. Yeah, right. Uh, it's, like, the older man and that shit. Yeah, like yeah, that. yeah. I fucking hate yep. it. I yep. hate that. Never do that as a writer, by the way. Please, Please. do it all the time. No, it sucks. Like, find a better way. The <laughs> anyway, brunette. You can. Ugh. The blonde. I the one with the that. beard. I fucking hate that. Use the their one name. in the plaid shirt. You know what? Now I'm mad. Use their name as many times as you need to to make it clear. Just use their fucking name. They have one. That's why we gave people names. The paisley covered man I... looked at the man in the plaid shirt with disdain. Okay, well, that was a Hannibal scene. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and I didn't use their names. No, you did not. And I knew you were talking about, but that doesn't mean it was good writing. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> I've never written Hannibal fic, but I guess I will now just to piss you off. You should try to get as many kudos as my Hannibal story has. <laughs> 
I don't need it because I still have to update a Patriot fanfic. Thank you. <laughs> oh, yeah. Please do that first. <laughs> How old is that, Emily? How old is your Patriot fanfic? <laughs> um, I was still in high school when I started it. <laughs> So and I'm still fanfic. getting reviews, so fuck you. It's on fanfic.net, isn't it? Yeah. Because AO3 didn't exist. Yeah. And I'm really proud of it, and it was really good. Honestly, I've still got old ones I'm proud of, too. So, like, I don't And care. then I've got one that I'm really not proud of, and I just need to get rid of it, and I haven't yet. But you know what? The internet is uh, a tangled for porn. web, and I'm not going to find it. And it's for porn, so no one's reading your story if it's not porn. Oh, man, we're nerds. Yeah, we're nerds. Yeah, this is terrible, and we're getting so off topic, but we are such huge nerds. Okay, so... Jesus, Muhammad. I'm so sorry. Muhammad and Muhammad. Muhammad and Muhammad. It's a fun sitcom. Yeah. So this man is a 65-year-old sailor. He's constantly smoking, and he is meant to keep our Muhammad out of trouble. Quote, this is from older Muhammad. At first, I was sharp with him, but after I saw what he was going through, I had only sympathy. Oh. (laughs) Like, oh, actually, this guy doesn't look great. I'm going to stop yelling at him. So eventually, they become, like, straight-up companions. They, they eat the same food and they live through the same boring days. And like they have, they even like come together to the like put scrap metal from the ship together and like give it to other boats in exchange for fish and cheese. Like they're, they're oh doing my it. God. They're fish w- and cheese. Fish and cheese. It was very specific. So they're friends at this point. But the, and the older man is like trying, he's trying to lift our Muhammad spirits because at this point, our Muhammad not doing so good. No, as you fucking can imagine. Yeah, he's almost made it off this goddamn ship. But it's and been then a- and then it didn't. Right. It's been over two years. It's been. Yeah, it's been two years since you looked at me. Oh, I know that's pretty not great. <laughs> I'm so. Just so sad for Muhammad. He was 29 now. No, he was 25 when this all start. Taylor. No, this, no, this is 2019. I'm sorry. He's 29 <sighs> by the end of this. I should say this should say he's like he's about 27, 28 by the time Muhammad and Muhammad eat. No, eat, but so I know he's declining. This very young man is declining physically and mentally. Mentally, he is losing teeth. He has, yeah, because he's stuck on a fucking shit. Right? He is. He has scurvy-like symptoms. Oh he's, no! He has to swallow ten to twelve painkillers a night to get to sleep. He's not doing good. So the Taylor. older guy's just watching him, basically. Taylor. Now, in 2020, this is not. I don't like this. In 2020, the ship runs aground. Oh, bad weather. That's good. In the Gulf. Yeah. So this means that like it's not on shore, but it is run aground and it is close enough to shore that you can now swim there, which is the only option you have. Um, I mean, that's better than being like three miles out. Yes, absolutely. So Muhammad, our our Muhammad decides, yeah, I'm going swimming. I'm going to go get provisions like we we can't be just without stuff and and waiting for people to bring it to us when they might not like they're starving they're not doing well so he's like fuck it i'm swimming he is stopped at first by the authorities but when they fuck saw them the, yes but when they saw the state he was in even they were like dude okay <sighs> so they let him keep coming ashore when he needs to as long as he agrees to be back on the ship by sunset no yeah even they're like you need stuff huh so every no. couple of days, Muhammad has to swim ashore. No, and, and get provisions. I just want to put here's a picture of him, and here with the boat in the background. Oh, so the boat is not honey. far offshore. 
Honey, I no, I don't want this for him. The boat's not far offshore, but it is a long swim. Um, he says specifically like that the water's very cold, and because of the poor health he was in, he almost drowned several times doing this. But still, he went, because it's like the only freedom he has. So, in December of 2020, Muhammad's case finally lands. This is the light, Emily, just so you know. I don't believe you. Muhammad's case... Believe me, uh, Muhammad's case finally lands on the desk of yet another guy named Muhammad, also spelled differently. He is the regional director of the ITF, which is a seafarers union. He sees shit like this all the time because this happens all the time, man. That's the not cool part. Uh, but Muhammad's case was really extreme. <laughs> it's a, it's, he's been there. This is 2020, December of 2020. He started on that boat. The first time he ever stepped foot on that boat was May of 2017. It's almost been four years. <laughs> so so th this ITF, Muhammad, is like, well, this is actually kind of especially shitty, even for the cases I see. So he decides he's going to take on this case. And he's going to start petitioning the courts to let someone take Muhammad's place and then find someone who will actually do it. <laughs> this is a slow process. Getting the courts to move is always slow. It's slow enough, though, that the ITF told our Muhammad to do an interview with the BBC to get attention. <laughs> like They were like, yeah, yeah you got to talk to the media. you got to bring the news into this. Yeah, because like no one knows what's happening to you. And this is fucking ridiculous. Yeah. So that interview is on YouTube and it's all goddamn over the place. A lot of the quotes I used about De Muhammad describing his, like, condition and what it's like to live on there are from that interview. So this worked. Like, the, like the BBC thing was kind of a huge deal. They FaceTime and everything. He shows him, like, this is how I live. These are the fucking rats I have to deal with. Like, it's awful. So this works. People, start, people start paying attention. Yeah. And so this is, like, all of that started happening in December of 2020. That's really... That's five months ago. So like in early, in late winter, early spring of 2021 is when people are like, hey, what the fuck? Get this man off this ship. And then the Suez Canal gets blocked and everyone goes, oh, remember that guy <laughs> who's been stuck there for four years in basically the same area? Let's talk about him some more. So enough attention is brought that the courts start moving. And on, on April 20th, 2021... <laughs> Oh, my God. Literally, like, ten fucking days ago. Taylor. This guy's... Muhammad is told to pack his bags. He gets to leave the ship. Taylor. I know. That one last really I'm... sad thing. I'm so sorry. Just, like, before you get really upset, one more before? sad thing to pile on is that on April 15th, he was informed that his grandmother had died. Oh, no. I know. I know. Literally five days. Oh, my God. This is the taken part, though. He says, quote, I will never forgive the people who kept me here while I lost my family. One yeah. One. Like, um, it's time to go, John Wick, sir. Yeah. It's time to beat some ass. My God. So. Do a murder. But, yeah, like, mainly the light is that, you know, a couple of days ago, basically, Muhammad was put on a plane and has been reunited with his family. That's good. Who are Syrian. So shit's rough. <sighs> But they're together. I saw a picture. It's really cute. They had like a banner for him and everything. Fucking sweet. Taylor. A very short aftermath. Just so people are aware if you want to look more into this. 
There are hundreds of vessels that have been abandoned. By no. Owners. <laughs> no. Often, yes. Often the crew is left to fend for themselves with no pay and limited options. There are treaties and conventions that are supposed to stop this from happening. They don't, though. Of course they fucking don't. Because, like, sort of like the Kyoto Treaty, oh it, it, it depends on, like, who signs what. If you don't sign it, then you're not held to that standard. There's a treaty that states you have to, if you are going to own shipping ships, you have to buy insurance that protects <laughs> your employees in the case of abandonment. <sighs> Guess who didn't sign it? Yeah. Bahrain, who is the owner of the MB mm-hmm. Amman, mm-hmm. <laughs> and mm-hmm. Egypt, mm-hmm. and many other Middle mm-hmm. Eastern countries. Mm-hmm. So there was no help. This is people. their profit place, and they don't want to be held responsible exactly. for the people that run their ships. Exactly. They'll let them rot. The number of abandoned ships and abandoned crews continues to rise each year. Fuck them. Hey, just one last thing, and then we can end this. I'm Mah- sad. Muhammad plans to go back to sea after he's had No! With his family. Stay on land. This is Muhammad's career. No. He loves it, and he's no. good at it. No. And that's what he's going to do. He's no. Gonna, he's going to go back. Muhammad. But Muhammad, honey, just go work for someone who signed that fucking treaty. Muhammad, I need you to turn on your location. I just want to talk. But, like, in a nice way. Yes. This one is in a very nice way because, like, I just want you to be safe. Yeah. And I want you to be okay. (laughs) And I want you to make sure that you value yourself. Right. Because after that, like, I really hope he got, he's getting some therapy. Oh, the man needs, like, mental health stuff for real. I just need him to turn on his location. I will come help him. Just come and cry for a bit. But just come hang out. Just come hang out. Like we'll do. We'll let you talk about how awful it was. I have funyuns. Everyone <laughs> likes funyuns. Everyone likes funyuns. Holy shit, Emily! Really? I don't like <laughs> onions, but I like funyuns. So yeah, that's. I know that was lighter than my last week's story, but that's like not was it? saying much. Was it? Emily, that was, one was about three hundred or so black people getting tortured. So yes. <laughs> I actually can't get much darker than the one I did. I can. I know when you have. <laughs> I physically can't. Hey, also, we have new art. Yes, we do. I made art. I we made had uh, art. This at the top. I know. <laughs> Neither of us are equipped. It's on our Facebook. It's on our Instagram. If you're not following our social medias, it's go do so, that. It's so cute. I'm going to be doing, hopefully, some shorts of clips from the podcast with like little expressions of ourselves. If there are any clips that you want to suggest, that helps us Please a lot. Please let us I know. I don't like listening back to the shit we've That's done. my hang up of like, this is a really great idea. And I'm like, oh, fuck. I have I'll, to go listen through the other episodes. I'll <laughs> like, help shit. you, but like, it'll suck. So if yeah. anybody has anything they'd love to see animated, Emily's made the cutest little things. Like, yeah. they're going to be amazing. Yeah. Um, um, so thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate having you here on yet another episode. We'll see you very soon. And um, in the meantime, don't forget your can of gasoline. Gasoline, this one for yep. sure. Yep. I felt it in my heart. Yep. Oh. <laughs>